You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your host, Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. What up, Rogan fans? Welcome to another review session. Here we go. Here we go. Todd, what did you think of this week? Uh, You know, not as exciting as last week, but Rick Rubin made up for it because I'm a huge fan of Rick. My brother is a record producer, and he, you know, is also a huge fan of Rick, but I remember listening to The License to Ill. album back in the day when i was in i think probably second grade that came out or something second or third grade so good i would sneak down to his room and listen to the tape Mm -hmm. and you know then i didn't know rick rubin had anything to do with it but i remember listening to that album over and over and over and over again Mm -hmm. so good yeah i really like that early on that run dmc song with aerosmith i felt was super cool yeah i don't know how old i was when that came out really young but I just I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, he's clearly a he's a legend for sure. But you want to start with him? Yeah, let's start with him. Let's get in there. Why not? Dude, the guy has been around forever. I loved how he said, you know, Rogan was like, you know, how did you get into this? And, and it really his answer was just like, I never expected to make money with this. I just did what I liked and did other work. And then eventually this became my work. He's like, I don't deserve it. Like, I just enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he clearly has a really good sense and a taste for music. I mean. No doubt. He, I mean, just that the first story he got into, talking about the Treacherous Three signing with this other band, and he was just there at the club listening and then started a conversation with him. That was Cool Modi was the the artist, the rapper who. Oh, okay. You know, ended up doing his own personal bit. Um, he did records. I remember posters of Cool Modi as well in that same era, in like the late eighties. But um, he he talked to his brother after the show, and his brother was you know knew somebody in a different band, and he just said, "Hey man, you know your new album is it doesn't sound as good as the last album. What what happened?" And apparently they had signed with a new record company. And it was just produced differently. And <clears throat> he was just being honest with those guys. Like, it sounds different. What's going on? And they could just tell that he knew what he was, he was talking about. Right. This 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 large white dude with a huge beard. Like Such a they, character. They listened. Yeah. He looks like he should be like a fisherman or a whaler from like 1910. Yeah. And instead he's... Making you the know, dopest music. He brought with cool fucking people. Well, he brought hip hop into mainstream. I mean, he was the guy. Him and Russell Simmons, who started Def Jam, mm-hmm. they they brought hip hop to mainstream. I mean, with Beastie Boys, with Run DMC, and then of course when like they were talking about with Aerosmith, that was the culmination of of well, dude, that was like the ultimate early crossover event. I mean, it was huge. It, it it made every suburban white boy like Run DMC, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. for sure. 
So good. You know, and it's weird that that, that was so good and so interesting that, that I'm surprised there wasn't more crossover events, you know, moving forward for a long time. They're kind of rare. You know, one of my favorites is Jay-Z with Linkin Park. Remember that? I don't remember that one. Dude, it was just brilliant. I mean, they, it just took all the Linkin Park music and it was like Jay-Z kind of rapping over, you know, the same tracks. Well, that was Ruben too then. That must have been Ruben. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, how about when he talked about Jay-Z, how he could just hum a tune like he'd be in the studio and Jay-Z would just hum something like Ruben would play a beat and Jay-Z would say, yeah, that's that's good. I like that one. Let's keep that going. And he would sit there and he would hum. I'd heard a rumor that he, you know, I don't know if it's a rumor of like it's well known, but like, yeah, he doesn't write anything down. Everything's in his head. That's how he does it. Yeah. That's really all I knew. Hearing it from Rick saying, oh, no, we played the beat for 99 Problems. He just sits there. And I've listened to that song like at least five times this week after hearing it because there are so many verses that are so good. The verse where he gets pulled over by the cop and he's like talking about knowing his rights and da 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 and then 99 Problems. I'm just like, can it be possible that he really just sat there and came up with that in his head and then went and did it. On the spot. I want to believe that that's real. I, it's, I like I just want to. It's almost like believing in real. superheroes. That's such an incredible skill that I couldn't even imagine yeah. being possible. Yeah. Though he said no one else, he doesn't know anyone else that can do that. Right. Like, or or saying that Eminem was he would he would write 99% of the things speaking of 99 problems, 99% of the things that Eminem would write down, he wouldn't even use. Mm -hmm. He would just do it to keep that... Muscle going. That, yeah, that memory muscle going. Well, it's a bit like stand-ups. I mean, Joe talks about it a lot. He write a lot, and yeah, 99% of it is garbage. <laughs> like, you just can't yeah. use it, but you just got to keep going, and maybe something somewhere comes together, makes sense, like, works... I guess, you know, these people all have different processes, but at the end of the day, they make incredible shit that lasts forever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at his at the music that he has produced in his lifetime, and the, the bands are all over the board. I mean, Slayer, Linkin Park, Wu-Tang Clan, Beastie Boys, you know, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, uh, you know, that was the most iconic, in my mind, the most iconic Red Hot Chili Peppers album. No doubt. I mean, it still, to this day, holds up to some of the best albums of all time, in my mind. Have you ever seen them live? Oh, yeah. Dude, I saw them in California. And when they did Californication, like, the place just lost this mind. They're fun. They're fun to so see live. Good. Yeah, yeah, so good. And still really quite old school. You know, with their lights and setup and everything, it's like... A lot of bands today, like you go watch Coldplay or some of the more modern bands, and I mean it's it's like a theatrical experience. The lights, the whole mood, like how much money they put in everything. The Chili Peppers kept it real simple. They had like 
uh, a bit of a display on the ceiling that would move around, almost mm-hmm. look like the bars on a stereo moving up and down, which right. was kind of cool. But everything else was as old school as you can imagine, and they crushed it. Yeah, I mean, they they're, they rock for sure. And they're still putting out studio albums. I mean, Ruben was talking about their newest one. They have a new double album he produced uh, just recently. I need to listen to that. Hmm. Is that out yet? <clears throat> I think it just came out, yeah. Nice. It was crazy to hear that, you know, he became a vegan f- thinking it was like health choices and then got super fat. Yeah. And, you know, I hate banging on about vegans because Joe does it enough. And it's almost like, I don't know. I feel like it's like pretty harsh for them. But... I, my brother was a vegan for a while, a good friend of mine back in England. It's like, it's quite popular in England mm-hmm. um, recently. And yeah, they're, they're both guys are fat. Really? They're just eating bread all day. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing, but it's like, it, you know, if you do it for the moral bit, makes sense. Totally. But if you also are adding in, oh, this is for my health, and then you look like a potato, it's like, hey, stop eating potatoes. Well, there's a difference between this is for my health, but if you don't watch all the carbs you're eating with and the you know the the soy that you're putting in your diet all the time and French fries and, like you said, potatoes, all the stuff that they need substance, but the, I don't think they're getting enough protein. But that's if you're not paying attention to what you eat. I'm sure there's plenty of vegans out there who can figure it out and I eat healthily, buddy, but yeah. it's not it's not easy. I have a buddy from Ohio that actually was doing the show with me before you came on board, Jay. Yep. Shout out to Jay, legend. This guy's like, how old is Jay? Like 46 maybe? Hmm. And he's been a, veg, uh, a vegan for like 20 years. Dude, that guy, hands down, is in the best shape of any 46-year-old I personally know. So there are ways to do it. He's just really up on his diet, so he makes sure he has everything he needs. You know, also works out a ton, isn't a big carb guy. You know, he makes it work, but it's a shitload of work. I've seen what he has to get when he's, like, grocery shopping. (laughs) I'm like, pfft. Well, it sounds like he's starting to figure it out. I mean, he's yeah. been through a few trainers and, you know, health, um, what would you call that, chefs? I mean, he had a, he had the guy living with him for a while, he said. The, yeah, the, that nutrition, that doctor. Mm-hmm. But it didn't sound like it helped. No. And, and when that guy said, hey, you know, 99, again, 99 <laughs> problems. 99 times out of 100, you would have lost a lot of weight, but you haven't. Yeah. Well... I don't know, dude. I would say to that doctor, hey, maybe like re-examine your process here. Because what did he end with? He's basically on carnivore now yeah, with kind and of veggies. no carbs. And veggies, yeah. And doing a lot better, yeah. What do you think about, I didn't realize he also produced the, the Andrew Dice Clay album. Oh, dude. That was such, that was so fun to listen to. So good. If you ever watch that, it's I, so cringy and weird, but brilliant too. Yeah, there's no one laughs at any I, of the yeah, jokes. I knew, even when I was young watching that, that like something weirdly special was happening. And just that being Dice, like I've seen Dice at the comedy store m- multiple times. He is just brilliant. 
Like he's just one of those guys when he comes up on stage or you see him chatting with other comedians, you know, yeah. before the show starts. He's just a legend. His experiences, I think he was one of the first guys to like sell out big places. Like I'm pretty sure he sold out Madison Square Garden maybe first as a comedian. Don't quote me on that. But huge. He was massive. And he's such a true artist, I think. That he was like, you know what? This like pandering to the crowd, and I'm just gonna do something weird. It, but Rick was. It made it seem like I. I feel like it was Rick's idea. I can't remember the other producer on the album. Rick was making it sound like it was his idea to go up and fuck around, but yeah, and maybe it was. But the yeah. fact that Dice was immediately on board is just. Totally. I feel like his style too. He's like, fuck yeah, let's see, let's see. He got so big. He's like, let's just see what happens. <laughs> what a fucking lunatic! Oh, I want to. I want to make sure we mention his book too. Ruben's new book, "The Creative Act: mm. A Way of Being." There's got to be some great advice in there for creative types. Well, he, what he was talking about is he would reverse engineer why a good outcome happened. So he he's not even telling us what the thing was that happened. Like he's he's not. From what I could tell, he's not explaining um, the things that he did, you know, as far as like, I produced this album, I did this, I, you know, these are all my accolades. He was remembering a time when something really good happened, right? And then he's reverse engineering backwards from there and asking, why did that good thing happen? Oh, because I did this, that, this. And he he would go back and look at the steps that, that he did to create whatever it was he was creating. But I don't think he's telling us what those things are. He's such a thoughtful guy. Yeah. And so present with his conversation that I really do feel like he's going to get the message across. And, and it's probably a very difficult message to get across, right? Being in a creative space, watching something beautiful happen, leaving space for other creatives to really bloom mm-hmm. and get the best out of them and then support them and be cool with them. I can't imagine this guy was like ever a dick. And in the music producing world, we know that there's like sharks out there. Right. And I bet there's a reason people love working f- with him. Absolutely. And well, and he only will choose people that he likes. That's mm-hmm. the other cool thing. That's cool. If he doesn't like your music or if he doesn't feel the vibe, you know, he he was saying with, with the Chili Peppers, he, when they were, you know, into drugs, whatever album that was, I can't remember which one he was chatting about, but he went in there, they wanted him to produce the album, and Ruben went and met with them, and he could just tell the vibe was fucked up, and he didn't even realize it was because they were on drugs until later, after he had talked to them probably years down the road, I think, but it just didn't fit with him, it didn't feel right, he wasn't he wasn't up for the job. I don't. Maybe he didn't like the music at the time as well. But then, you know, however many years later, he produces another album for them. Gosh, twenty years later, like this new one that he just put out. Um, and because it felt right, and now the original band members from the Blood Sugar Sex Magic are back again. I mean, John, John is back. The guitar player, the second guitar cool. player. Um, yeah, it. I just love how 
the the name of the book, A Way of Being, he's just he is that person. He he is that guy. He yeah, is he's like an ultimate hippie. And he just yeah, he just does what he wants and like you said right at the beginning, I do things because I like them. And now he's <laughs> worth a quarter of a billion dollars. That's a beautiful life. He just he just doesn't want to do shit he doesn't like. And he's so good at the things he does do and does like. That. He definitely pursues things with intention, mm-hmm. right? So even though he had the good idea of like, back to the vegan thing, yeah. he was like, this is healthy. This is what I've heard. I'm going to do it. I'm disciplined. I'll stick to it, which he did. Right. Then eventually people are like, you kind of look gross, bro. We're yeah. worried about you. Yeah. And he's like, I think something is flawed with my thinking, which is awesome in like the ego sense. And he's like, okay, I'll mix it up. And the fact that he's like hanging out with... Uh, Laird. Oh, right? Mm-hmm. That guy's about as savage as David Goggins. And he's yeah. there. He can't do one push-up. Can't really do anything. And Led just being the legend that he is, is and super motivator, nice guy, is like, okay, try this, do it this way, do a little bit of this. Before you know it, he's doing a hundred straight setup uh, push-ups. Push-ups, yeah. Think, think how much more that is than doing like half of one, which is where he started. Yeah. Like not even being able to do one, and then all of a sudden you can do a hundred. Did he, did he mention how long that took? I don't think he did. Not it's really. still incredible. I bet it wasn't all that long, honestly. And now he's massively into ice baths, saunas, all the shit that's like we're learning is mm-hmm. good for you. Didn't he say that he did the ice bath for like 30 minutes or something? I think Joe... It was at 38 degrees. I remember that. And yeah, he said 30 minutes as well. I think it took some, some steam out of Joe's sails because he recently <laughs> did 20 in the tub and it basically in the cold plunge world that's a that's a lot and that's a big deal yeah that's kind of getting into wim hof territory and then this guy comes on and is like yeah i did 30 yeah joe was just like oh shit well he's, he Legit, said he kept, his, he kept his hands out and was breathing into his hands yeah but how much is that gonna I'm not, help I'm not saying it makes it extremely easy <laughs> i i like to keep the hands out i've never gone more than four or five minutes but yeah well know. but the one that we do with the and hot springs hot. we go to is like 55 degrees dude it's yeah. not even that cold i think it's 58 i don't even think it's 55 it, it might yeah i I'm, mean it, when there's ice floating around you're in a <laughs> you're in a different world of cold can can we just uh one last thing about him because we're talking about how much he likes ice baths but i loved at the end when he was talking about loving uh, pro wrestling. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I <laughs> wanted to touch on Out of that. nowhere. And you know what I loved about it? There wasn't, like, any apology. He didn't go, look, I know it's silly and justified. He, like, really talked about his passion Yeah. of this. And, you know, I kind of get it. Because there's such a creative, silly, childish nature to it. Yeah. But also like tough guy action hero movie soap opera Acting. all together yeah i can see why people are into it man i've yeah. been i took my friends that came over from england to an event because they don't they don't have wrestling in england like much mm. you know they're not going over there and putting on big shows very often so i took them and like 
all the wrestlers were there. Hulk came out, Hulk Hogan. He wasn't wrestling because he was older. He just, like, you know, did his to-the-ear thing and, like, got everyone pumped. Dude, it was one of the craziest events I've ever been to. People were losing their shit, having so much fun, and you couldn't help but just have a good time. It was chaos in the best way. Yeah, I remember watching those pay-per-view Hulkamanias, man, when I was little. So fun. So fun. Go over to my rich friend's house, and (laughs) you know their parents bought pay-per-view for the night. It was like the coolest thing ever. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, you believe it back then. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's about to go down. <laughs> Toughest guys in the world. All right, let's jump over to Tulsi. Well, Tulsi, I love it to death. Yeah. But started off super fucking depressing, Tulsi. I would say the first 50 minutes were, yeah, pretty. I mean, the whole thing not, the whole thing was pretty depressing. But it look, these are things we have to think about at least the war stuff you know it's important things to talk about important things to think about but going on and on and on about trans and just schools and kitty litter boxes and you know i think she was just pointing out like how wacky some of the focus in the democratic party is right now like they're focusing on these things that have very little to do with like how the world is running and you know, it's like 20% of the fucking cornerstone of ha- how they run for election. And I'm like, I don't, whether, look, you can respect everyone you want. I'm happy to respect anybody's choices to do anything. Absolutely. But it doesn't seem like a big enough thing going on, especially when you're on the potential verge of World War Three. I don't think anyone is, should be talking about, kitty litter trays right i i yeah furries it there was a lot of that talk i mean joe i think joe did most of the talking there for the first 30 40 minutes he was getting fired up what do you really think about that though like are we that close she seems pretty sure and it's like dude i started to freak out and start to think about okay if it lands today so the power went out in bozeman a few days ago sunday mm-hmm. half a gallatin county was out i guess some relay system blew up it wasn't even a big deal but as soon as the power went out and it's like most of bozeman so it was like a bigger power outage than i'd experienced in my life oh, across a big area it was yeah. only for like three hours but i saw one car accident because people don't know how to deal with it when the lights are out, which yeah. is immediate. And I thought to myself, how long would it take before shit got real? And also, all the grocery, every store was closed because they had no power, and it's all about credit cards. You can't just pay cash even if you had exact change because the machines don't work. Yeah, nobody pays cash anyways. Yeah. Nobody carries it. I'm like, I have three eggs in my house right now. Yeah, and I, and like a couple of frozen meals. It's like how long do you, how long do we have? The yeah. nuke lands somewhere, even if it's fucking New York, dude. Not even close to here. How quickly does shit get wild? So fast. And I guess we just sit there and go, ah, it won't happen. In the same way, we're like, yeah, an asteroid won't do it. That hasn't landed for how long? Right. But I don't know. I think we should. Take that shit a bit more seriously. 
yeah. let's not make this as depressing as the beginning of Tulsi's one, but it's something to think about. I mean, the whole thing was serious. I mean, I just, I just appreciate to to be on a more positive note. I appreciate Tulsi's dedication to helping people. Yeah, she seems legit, like and really into that. Yeah, I mean, she's a congresswoman, and she ran for president, and she called out Kamala Harris. and Crushed, though, in the primaries. Yeah, yeah in that debate. And she's extremely smart. She knows that what's happening is not something that she wants to be on board with. Her She's ideologies are changed. Definitely are, beautiful as well. Let's give her that. She's right. good looking. Her ideologies have have never really swayed. And so what she's seen in the Democratic Party is not something she likes. And she's sticking up for her ideals, which, gosh, if every politician did that, we probably wouldn't hate most of them. Well, we would hate less of them. Hate she a just lot less seems of them. genuine, like real. You know, she doesn't right. come on with like a, some sort of politician speech voice, whatever. I mean, she used to go on Rogan when she was a congressperson and she just talked real like this. Yeah. She always answered all of Joe's questions. She didn't hide behind. You know, there's always that pause when like a politician is like feeding you bullshit mm-hmm. and you know they're like thinking through their, you know, their re-election answer, yeah. plan and you're just like, we're not getting to know the truth here. Tulsi just is out saying it, and she's not saying wild, crazy shit. Yet I have a bunch of friends that don't have a lot of respect for her at all, and that are Democrats. They're like, oh, well, she said some wacky stuff. I'm like, are you looking at the rest of the people in this party? Like, I've definitely heard my buddy Dave talk more shit about Tulsi than Nancy Pelosi. And there's so much on her it's just like, what? how are you picking these battles? Don't you want honest people representing your party? She seems real. I mean, her and Bernie, those that's my vote, but it'll never happen. Bernie, legend. She just, she, she just calls it like it is. And, I mean, not to mention she was not, was she in the Army? Yeah, or well, she military, Marine? yeah. She was, in, she was a Marine. I, one of them. And then I think she was medical. So she saw a lot of those injuries. Yeah. And yeah, I just rough. love when when people who have been in the system talk shit about the system because they're telling the I feel like she's telling the truth. I mean, when she goes on and on about um, you know, the military industrial complex and how crazy it is that we sh- we are always at war for a reason. Yeah. And the reason is money to keep you know, making more and more and more for these contractors and billionaires, it it makes sense in my mind that this controlled system that we have, this rigged system that we have, I mean, she's calling it out. And yeah, I mean, it's awesome. what's interesting about it is she's pro-military in the sense of knows what the troops go through, knows you need a military, right? Yeah. They, they have to have a budget. Um, does it need to be as big? Uh, there's questions there. Right. And she has issues with some of the contractor stuff and, you know, some of the back, you know, handed kind of payoff stuff. The deals, yeah. But, you know, it's almost like she's pro and anti-military in the sense of streamlining that process, but understands it needs to exist. 
And that is a good leader. That's someone that you would want running your military, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we just elect these people that have no military experience. I, I don't think it's a bad move to have a bit of training in some areas, especially big ones. You've got to think, so you're the president, right? You've got a lot to run. You've got all of society, but then you also have the military-industrial complex to run as well. And that's like, what, close to like 50% of all of, of our spending? Or more, yeah. You'd want some experience there. At least you would think so. Yeah, it. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of experienced people. It's just who's making, who's calling the actual shots, right? That's the scary the part. Aliens, we could bro. always pretend that there's people who are making decisions when there's higher ups making the real decisions. Yeah, who fucking and knows I, who's doing? I that? mean, just at the end there when she was talking about Ross Perot and how both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party were so scared of him at that time that they actually teamed up together to figure out a way so that he couldn't debate anymore on yeah. stage because they, he was getting so popular. And now, ever since ever since Ross Perot, an independent hasn't had a chance other than Bernie, but they did the same thing to him. Mm-hmm. They did the same exact thing. Yeah. So uh, but it, what, how do we win there? I think it's only a matter of time before we get a really strong independent... Um, we had it with Bernie, candidate, dude. and we, then wh- who? What? Where did? Where was Bernie? He was a strong independent can. Uh, candidate. He was a Democrat. I mean, he's an independent, but he was running as a. Oh, Democrat. Oh, he did run as Democrat. You're right. Yeah, and he would have crushed Trump, I think. But that doesn't Probably matter now. Probably definitely done better than Hillary. Doesn't matter now. But yeah, <laughs> I would love to see an independent candidate because. In, in my mind, it makes the most sense to be independent. You know what? I think it would just give us more choices. And I and then with more choices, people don't have to be quite as polarized. You've right. got three, independence kind of in the middle, and then it just brings like the sanity back to the game. Because right now we have far right, far left yeah. as the big voice yelling at each other, this is what all Democrats think of the right and all Republicans think of the left as like, oh, just either a lunatic or a racist or however they right. describe it. If you've got a strong independent party in there making their own voice heard, then, you know, there's it, it's like with products. Like the more types of smartphones you have, the better they get. If it was only ever iPhone then how good do they need to be? Like, you want a market that's flooded with all the best ideas so that you can kind of, you know, you figure out the best shit from that. Yeah, we talk about this a lot, but it also always comes down to getting money out of politics and getting special interest out of there. Because without that, then leaders in both parties are going to care more about their own problems and their own re-elections and their own... Dude, that shit's not going to happen. Well, now it, it's in, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it would make more sense. You know, it would yeah. also be a great idea to run it like the Greeks, to where every election term they vote on who the worst politician was, and then you get kicked out of Greece. That's a great I idea. I mean, imagine if Congress people were held to, but it's never going to happen. It won't happen. So these are nice ideas. So what do we have to play with, really? 
And it's like, you know, just open it up to a third party with all the same wacky rules and too much funding that we have now and and start to see what happens. At least that's likely, more likely. Yeah. It, I mean, it's better than what we have now. So there, we've got that going for us. Definitely. If, if, if it ever happens. Just the idea, though, that we're so fucking close to... The, potential nuclear war it's like how do how does anyone even process that information I, what do I you even do to think about it because... do we just go to the woods and start podcasting from there like with our uh you know spacex fucking internet that we buy off of elon it's like all that's left just poor people just everyone's struggling to survive and listening to podcasts to get updates i don't even know I don't know, dude. I don't know either, buddy. I I I applaud her for what she's doing. Um, I'd like to see her get back into politics if she can tolerate it and do it with the right backing and not being paid off by who knows what, just being herself. Um, yeah. Did she say she was leaving politics? Well, she... It kind of has already. Yeah. I mean, she's just podcasting and doing other things. I mean, right. she can kind of, in, in a lot of ways, maybe she even feels like she can make more of an impact this way yeah. as kind of like a bit of a, I guess you call her a celebrity with with like political yeah. opinions. Yeah. You know? Does she have a podcast? I think she does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they mentioned it. Yeah. She should. She's great. All right, let's jump over to who we got. Oh, Elijah. God bless her. Well, great stand-up comedian. I heard recently that her new special is excellent from uh, a buddy of mine, Chris Berman. Good old Chris. He loved it, was laughing his ass off. Todd had different opinions. I couldn't get through it. Maybe I'll try again because I've liked her stuff in the past. She is I've very funny. I've laughed my ass off at some of her older specials. I mean, she's had six specials, I think. Like, I've seen her live at the Comedy Store many, many times, and she always crushes it. She's very good. She's very confident and comes out onto that stage, and, you know, good luck if you'd say anything to her that would annoy her. Like she, yeah. she will come at you. She'll she's come great. at you fast too. She'll she'll think of something real quick. She's got some opinions, bro. I don't know if Joe agreed <laughs> with a lot of these opinions. I uh, definitely didn't agree with with Rock's diet. She didn't agree with Rock's diet. Uh, he or his cheat days, anyways. She was very concerned about ro- what Rock was eating, Ew. and who cares, man. The, the that's that's the thing. The first thing is why it, why do you have an opinion on that? Maybe she was nervous. She seemed a little bit nervous coming out of the gate, but she she's not she's a nervous person a though. No, she mm. I don't know. She just seemed to have a ton of opinions on yeah. things. Yeah. While bringing up her book like 25 times. Yeah. And the the points that she was making or like having these strong opinions on just didn't seem that important. Kim Kardashian's body now that she's dating white guys like changes that. How dare she? She can't she just fucking do whatever she wants? 
Yeah. It, and then the ch- let's go back to the I don't want to just talk shit because I really do love her comedy. And and I've like I said, some of her old specials are hilarious. And maybe she just didn't have enough to talk about. Dude, on, she's on awesome. Pod. I'm not saying that. I just think I that it. It, I'm trying to get an idea of like what the fuck is this book about? <laughs> because if you're going to bring up silly points like that, at least make it hilarious. And then I'm like, that's great. Yeah. I'll read a book about any ridiculous strong statements and opinions made if they're funny. Yeah. Could you imagine Tim Dillon putting oh, a book buddy. out? He, does he not have one? He should. He should. He's going to soon, I'm sure. But, like, you know, his he could go on a tangent about the craziest opinion, <laughs> and I'd be like, dude, that's not important. But he would make it... It doesn't matter. ...so funny. Because he's so hilarious. Yeah. Well, look, maybe the book's great, man. Maybe the book's great. Maybe it is. Check it out. I mean, I've heard good things about the special. Uh, she even brought up hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, I did my research, and I'm so proud of my journalistic blah, blah, blah. And Rogan was like, no, no, no. It's not about that. It's not this. And I was just like, I don't know. I mean, I love that he he wasn't letting her get away with, with some of those opinions. But she also... You know, she had some good opinions about privacy laws. I mean, mm-hmm. I agree with I agree with a lot of that stuff. I For mean, sure, people shouldn't know where you live. They shouldn't just be able to look that stuff up online. That seems strange, but I mean, especially if you're a celebrity, I don't give a shit personally. But as a celebrity, it's, it seems a little s- sketchy. But you would if like any amount of people started coming to your house. Well, right, because that happens all the time, right? I mean, she was saying it's happened to her, right? Or wasn't she? I thought she said that she had well, some stalkers. she came on before, and she talked about dating this guy that was a complete sociopath. His entire life, as far as she knew about it, was a complete lie. Whoa. And she didn't even know. And she broke it down in detail, and it's wacky. It's crazy. I've seen movies about that. Yeah, There's a movie about that. I remember when I was listening to it thinking, how did you not know? Or did you somehow attract this kind of person? But then I thought, that's not really fair. Because there probably are some people out there that are so good mm-hmm. at creating up, you know, just this bullshit story yeah. and this imaginary life and holding it all together until it gets to a point where you just know too much and you question something and something doesn't line up. Right. And then, you know, that house of cards just collapses. But what she went through, how? who knows how she even trusts anybody today that she dates? Or, I, I, I think she's married and married to a chef and very happy. And But it must have been rough. I mean, she did talk about never somehow coming away from all the partying and... and you know, crazy nights that she had while on tour, younger and partying her ass off with all of her f- girlfriends and dating a frat boy and never getting drugged, which she was surprised about. I didn't realize those numbers were so high with women who get drugged. I mean, it's such a prevalent thing, which is really sad. It's fucked up, dude. Um, well, I worked security in nightclubs for years in my early 20s and also early 30s. Uh, just in bars then, but in the club scene, yeah. it was not uncommon to where someone would be like, I mean, a lot of the time, I would say more so than not, if the girl 
themselves comes up to you and is like, I think I've been roofied. And then you go to the bar and you find out they had seven shots. You're like, I think this. But when you find somebody whose friends come up to you and they're like, she just got here and she barely even drinks and she can't even stand. And that shit was not uncommon, dude. It's so creepy. Super creepy. Super creepy. It's like, what are you doing? I mean, have you watched the new Jeffrey Dahmer? I won't watch it, man. I don't want to watch it. <sighs> Give you nightmares. I don't want to watch. I've it. had one nightmare. I don't. I already. don't want to. I don't want to think about that creep, man. No thanks. I'm. I'm sure it's great. Well, he was like drugging people. But That's how he did it. I just. I just don't want to think about that stuff. It. It reminded me of. Uh, well, it reminds me now when you mention it. I started watching a Cosby documentary. Oh no! And the first half of it's great because you learn about Cosby. And he was such an amazing person if you take away the creepy shit he did and drugged women. Obviously, once it got into that, which it started to near the end of the documentary, it was like, oh, and by the way, then he did this. And they had interviews of older ladies who, you know, were drugged by him and remember the night and they were telling it in specifics and I had to shut it off. I, I just couldn't do it, man. Well, Rogan talks about this too. He he talks about watching movies, scary movies or like twisted shit as he he doesn't like to do it. And I think there's something to that and people should pay attention to it. It's like, hey, you're carving out two hours of your life to sit and watch this thing that is just awful and twisted. Yeah, it's awful. And in some way, it, like, creeps into your life. Not to say that it, like, makes you like that, but it's just adding an unnecessary darkness. Now, I'm also not saying, yeah, you should just watch Disney movies and Hallmark shows, and you can watch things that are... I know you do. That's why I brought that up. (laughs) Todd's a big fan. You know, not everything needs to be rainbows and butterflies, but there, there's something to be said about like the darkness that you let in. I think to some degree. Yeah, I'm, you're talking about it now, and I'm thinking about the last creepy show I watched, which was about a mother who killed her two children. And I, I don't know why I watched it. I, it just it sucked me in, man. Guaranteed, because your wife wanted to watch it. It was right? a newer Netflix special. It was something that she would typically watch, and for whatever reason, I was just home one day. I didn't have a ton going on. I was just, I was binge watching, dude. I binge watched it and it was it was horrible. I mean, no thanks, man. I don't no. want to think about people going insane and and doing things like that. It's shit. like I think Joe's got a good point, man. Stay away from that shit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I did like towards the end um Eliza was talking about the art of interviewing and how everyone shouldn't have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and probably us. Right. But she explained, you know, how to not talk over people. Like if you're going to interview people, how to not talk over them. And this is something I'm trying to get better at as well. And you think about it, but with the amount of podcasts that are on air nowadays, you got to think there's so many people doing interviews who probably shouldn't and you know she that some whoever she was talking about she didn't mention a name who was interviewing her she she was just saying she was underneath the the table just like grabbing her legs and pinching herself the whole time because she was having such a horrible time and the interviewer 
knew nothing about her. Um, anyway, it just reminded me of how we got to hone our craft, bro. Well, you know what I was thinking about <laughs> uh, when I was listening to that? So, like, in my early 20s, I used to do a lot of uh, sponsored <clears throat> events to raise money for charity and different things. And one time I was going to Sri Lanka to teach English for like a year, close to a year. And the some of the teachers that were going out there, we were raising money for it to like help with the program. Because mm. even though it sounded like a really cool vacation, I mean, we were working all the time teaching and like teaching English. And we were young, we weren't teachers, so we had to figure this out. Uh, and I went on the radio in this show in Stroud in England, where I was, where I was born. Nice. And I remember the guy who was talking to me just had like four bullet points, but was talking and like, he would ask a question. He'd be like, yeah, so what, what got you into this? And why did you want to do this? And while I was answering the question, he's like waving at the person outside of the window. He's like on his phone. And then he would just wait for me to stop and then ask the next bullet point. And it got me to a point where I, I just wanted to answer it in like the dumbest mm. ways ever. You know, if he was just like, oh, so um, what made you even think of this? And then he's like looking around and I'm like, well, I met an alien mm. and then got abducted by UFOs and just talk for a minute and stop <laughs> and see if he even noticed. I wish you would have. Those people exist. Like a lot of interviewers are just kind of checked out. It's why Joe's show is so fascinating. The person that he's talking to, he wants to talk to. Yeah. And this, honestly, this is why I do this show this way. Because I don't have to talk to a new person every week, which I guess could be interesting, but not for this show, because Joe does that already. Right. I don't need like new people in every week. I got my good friend, Todd. I like talking to you anyway. And we fucking talk about everything all week, all the time. <laughs> so it's just like... Be here in the conversation. Right. I mean, if I ever felt like you were half out of the door, I just fucking stop the pod. Yeah. I'm like, it's if I'm not enjoying this conversation, let's not do it. But, you know, I do. We are. I do too, buddy. We're in here talking together. I hope all our listeners enjoy it too. Yeah, they tolerate it. <laughs> and we thank them for putting up with us. We just trying to bring some extra voice to what goes on in this fucking incredible kind of um what would you even call joe's podcast it's a I universe mean, buddy well yeah but it's like an experiment in conversation yeah or at least how they should be done well that's why it's an experience a hundred percent a hundred percent. All right. Well, we definitely should listen and watch um, her new special. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if I'll buy the book, but if you're a big fan of hers, do it. Support her. Because at the end of the day, she's one of the great comedians out there, especially one of the great female comics. Absolutely. And support the shit out of them. I'm buying Ruben's book. Mm, yeah. Get Definitely. it. Let's get it for the studio. I'm going to buy Let's Ruben's order book. It after Just this. came out. Love that. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for sticking with us, as always. We appreciate you, and God bless Joe Rogan. See you later. Peace.